Hello and welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And today's podcast will be in Psalm 75. In Psalm 75, listen to these words. For the choir director set to Al Tashheth, some of your versions have do not destroy, a psalm of Asaph, a song. We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks. For your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works. When I select an appointed time, it is I who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars, Selah. I said to the boastful, do not boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the west, not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert come exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams, and it is well mixed. And he pours out of this, surely all the wicked of the earth will drink down its dregs. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. And all the horns of the wicked will be cut off, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Verse 1, a statement of thanksgiving. We give thanks to you. We give thanks, the text says. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks. It opens up with a note of thanksgiving. Psalm 74 was a community lament as he poured out his grief for the entire people, for the entire community after the temple had been destroyed. But now he opens Psalm 75 with thanksgiving and a statement that he will declare God's wondrous works in verse 1. When I select an appointed time, verse 2 says, now I want to give you a key link between Psalm 74 and Psalm 75. The word translated appointed time in Psalm 75 verse 2, the New American Standard Bible, is translated meeting place in Psalm 74 4, in Psalm 74 8. In those verses in Psalm 74, it was an enemy, the Babylonians, who had destroyed God's meeting places. He destroyed God's meeting places, and the psalm ended, Psalm 74 ended, longing, calling for judgment on such peoples. And here, God uses the same words to talk about the meeting places they destroyed, to talk about He has appointed a time in which He will hold them accountable. When I have selected an appointed time, it is I. In the last phrase of verse 2, as it uses that word I, a personal pronoun, it is emphatic. It is I, I, who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. 
The world may seem like it's falling apart. The question was asked in Psalm 11, verse 3, If the foundations are shaken, what can the righteous do? Here, the earth and all that are in it melt or sway, but he who has... It is I who have firmly set its pillars. Again, that I in verse 3 is emphatic. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. God is the one who gives stability to our world of chaos, in our world of confusion. If you have a life that is ordered enough that you can have a certain amount of security, a certain amount of comfort about your life, that is a blessing from God. It is a blessing from a good and gracious God who gives order to our world of chaos. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. But what is the message of this psalm? Few of the key words of the psalm are about to be introduced in verse 4. The word wicked is a key word. The word lift up is a key word. And the word horn is a key word. All of these words come to play in Psalm 75 verse 4. I said to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. To lift up one's horn is the same as to boast. The image of the images of an animal, a mighty animal with a powerful horn that does battle by using its horns against its opponents. And this picture of strength, this picture of power, the horn. It's you do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn. We use the expression, do not toot your horn, to talk about a musical instrument. But we have the same meaning as this. The same meaning, even though it talks of a different kind of horn, both of them are emphasizing that we don't promote ourselves. We don't seek to say how great we are. I said to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. I want to tell you something about that word on high in the New American Standard in verse 5. It is a form of the word lift up used in verse 4 and verse 5. It's a form of that root word. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. Now, Some of your versions have in verse 6, uh, do not speak with a haughty neck. The haughty neck. Either way, it is a picture of man's pride. The word neck is more literal there, but it's a picture of men's pride. It's a picture of men exalting themselves. And the Bible says, do not do this. Do not promote yourself. Do not lift up your horn. Do not speak with a uh, do not speak with a haughty neck. Because exaltation does not come from the east or west or from the south, from the desert. It only comes from God, verses 6 and 7 state. The word exaltation, by the way, in verse 6, 
is the same root word translated lift up in verse 4 and 5, translated on high in verse 5. It's the same root word translated exalts in verse 7. The point is God is the judge. God will do the promoting. God will do the demoting. God will do both the lifting up and the bringing down. It is the Lord who does it. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed, and he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drink down its dregs. And one of the words I told you to look for is the word wicked. In verse 4, the wicked are told, do not lift up your horns. One thing that distinguished the wicked was their boasting and their self-promotion. In verse 8, the wicked are forced to drink down the deadly contents of this cup. In verse 10, the wicked's horns will be cut off. So those are some times the word wicked appears. But in verse 8, a cup is in the hand of the Lord. The Bible often uses this image of a cup of God's wrath, a cup of God's wrath that he uses to bring judgment upon the wicked. Isaiah 51, verses 17 through 23 use that expression. Jeremiah 25, verses 15 through 28. Jeremiah 49, 12 and 51, 7. Ezekiel 23, verses 32 through 34. Habakkuk 2, 15 and 16. Zechariah 12 and verse 2. Revelation 14, 10 and Revelation 16, 19. All of these speak of a cup. Now, there's sometimes the Bible speaks of a cup of salvation in Psalm 116, verse 13. Or the Bible speaks about a cup overflowing in Psalm 23, 5 as a picture of God's blessing. But you notice here that the wicked are forced down to drink first to drink down this cup. And in those passages, and I know I gave you many, but in those passages, if you'll look at them carefully, drinking the cup causes confusion. It causes disorientation. It may cause vomiting. There are horrible consequences of drinking this cup of God's wrath. But here God is pictured as holding this cup within his hand. It is well mixed. Sometimes mixing a wine adds to its intensity. It seems like this is the case here. And the wicked are forced to drink down the cup to its very dregs. This is a picture of the judgment and the wrath of God. But in contrast to the description of the wicked, in contrast to the self-promotion of the wicked, the psalmist says, but as for me, and this is emphatic too, but for me, but I, in contrast to whatever the wicked do, what I'm going to do is declare it forever. What I'm going to do is to sing the praise 
of the God of Jacob. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise God. In verse 10, all the horns of the wicked will be cut off, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. As we stated earlier, the word horn is a key word used in verse 4, verse 5, verse 9, or excuse me, verse 4, verse 5, and twice in verse 10. Twice in verse 10. It could be described as the horns of the wicked in all of these cases except the last case. The word lifted up, the word wicked, the word horn, all key words in this particular psalm. And so the psalm ultimately ultimately makes a strong contrast between the end, the fate of the wicked whose horns will be cut off and the righteous whose horns will be lifted up. Now, how does this psalm teach us about Jesus? How does it teach us about him? The first verse said, your name is near. God's name is God himself. You notice those phrases used pretty much interchangeably in Psalm 44 in verse 5. God's name is God's presence. And whatever is indicated by his name is what's indicated by God himself. For example, in Psalm 76 verse 1, his name is great. God himself is great. God reveals his character by his name. God reveals who he is. The Lord, the Lord God, gracious and compassionate. And God's name is near, Psalm 75, 1. In Psalm 74, it seemed like God was so far away. But in Psalm 75, 1, God is near. God is near. But if God's name was brought near as he revealed himself to Israel, how much more was God's name brought near as he revealed himself in his son Jesus? John 17 verse 6 and John 17 verse 26 speak of Jesus making known the Father's name. Jesus, Jesus has brought God's name very near. And the word wondrous works of verse 1 is sometimes used to refer to the creation, sometimes used to refer to the exodus from Egypt or the crossing of the Jordan River in Joshua chapters 3 and 4. But God's mighty works did not end with these Old Testament events. The ultimate display of God's mighty acts were the death and resurrection of Jesus. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, as 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 through 26 describe, as we partake of that Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming His awesome deeds. Now, not every time in Psalm 75 when the Hebrew tells us that do not lift up your horn, not every time is it translated by the same Greek word, but one of the terms that's used is the term used in John 3 in verse 14 to speak about how the Son of Man would be 
lifted up. It refers to the death of Jesus in John 3.14, in John uh, 8, verse 28, in John 12, verse 33 and 34 specifically refers to his death. It refers to his exaltation or ascension to heaven in Acts 2, verse 33, in Acts 5, verse 31. Truly, God has lifted up the horn of Jesus. It is interesting. It is interesting if you look at Psalm 75 verse 10 in the original language, the word wicked is plural, but the word righteous is singular. Now, I don't want to make too much of that because it is possible that the singular is meant to be collective, that it meant is meant to refer to all the righteous. But could it be that the singular was used with a purpose? The horn of the righteous will be lifted up. Jesus is described as the righteous, same term that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. In Acts 3.14, in Acts 7.52, in Acts 22.14, he's called the righteous in that passage. And in this particular text, the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. In verse 8, the Bible tells us a cup is in the hand of the Lord and the wicked are forced to drink it down. As Jesus was being crucified, he said, My Father, let this cup pass from me. Matthew 26, verse 39, Mark 14, verse 36. Let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking there about a cup of blessing like Psalm 23, 5. He wasn't talking about a cup of salvation like Psalm 116 and verse 13. He's talking about drinking of the wrath of God. It was the wicked who drank that cup in Psalm 75, verse 8. It was the wicked who drank that cup. Now, I don't mean that Christ was wicked, that Christ was a sinner. Oh, no. That's not true at all. But Christ does drink the cup that we were scheduled to drink. He does drink the cup intended for the wicked that in Him we might have forgiveness. In Him we might have cleansing from our sin. He drank the cup for us. Over and over in the crucifixion accounts, you see characters calling attention to the innocence of Christ. Pilate and Herod did in Luke 23, verses 14 and 15. Pilate's wife did in Matthew 27, 19. Judas did in Matthew 27, 3 through 5. The thief on the cross did in Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. And the centurion did in Luke 23, 47. They all call attention to his innocence. He was not on the cross for his own sins, but for ours to provide us a door of forgiveness. Either we can turn to him and submit to him and his will, and accept the fact that he drank the cup of wrath for us, or we can say no thanks 
I'll drink it myself and experience the horrible judgment of Revelation 14 and verse 10. May God bless you.